sermon, a, a sermon for every member of Central Baptist Church. And really, this is important. It's important for every day. Of course, each sermon should be important, but I'm just saying this is important for us as a local church, one another. It's very important for us. So, our text is in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, but I'm going to just say something to you right now. In chapter 1, verses 15 through 19, because I'm going to talk about praying for one another is what we're talking about in these sermons. And this list that you have there, and I want you to hold on to it and bring it back with you next Sunday night for, as we continue the sermon. But what I want you to see is that in chapter 1 and, and verses 15 through 19, you see how the Apostle Paul prayed for other believers. And so, uh, if the Apostle Paul is praying for, praying for other believers in this matter, uh, it should below, be below anyone's dignity to pray for one another in that matter. Okay, but now we're in chapter 6 and verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance. That's, uh, that's really a principle of prayer, perseverance. With all perseverance and supplication and those last three words, for all saints, all the saved. And within a local church, that before all that are in the church. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get started into it. Father, I pray that you would uh, just use these words that are in the message tonight that you've given, Lord, just Help me to rightly divide your word, but Lord, do what I can't do. You can drive it home to the heart, and I pray that you'd exactly do that, Lord, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, again, as you can see between each one, there are spaces, and the reason for that is if there's something that we say there that you'd like to write down, you got it there to write it down uh, after each one. But in the Bible, we see Israel praying They'll confess their sins. Boy, things are going bad. They confess their sins, and they go through a time of repenting. And then they see, uh, as they're calling on the Lord, the Lord answers their prayer and blesses. And isn't it interesting that we have to be put on our backs, or we have to be knocked down before we say, oh, well, I better repent and get right with Him on these things. And that happened to Israel as a nation several times over. In the New Testament, uh, the church is coming together it's not for their sin, but Peter is in jail in the book of Acts. He's in jail. They have already decreed that they are going to slay him the next morning, going to behead him. And the church prays all night for him. And the Lord opens the doors of the jail. He walks out with uh, no problem. He, he, the Lord loosens all. He sends an angel, takes off the shackles, everything off him. He's able to walk out by the guards, and they don't even notice. Of course, they're all put to death the next day that we're guarding. But he's delivered. It's because a local church got together and prayed for this man of God. You see, the man of God does need prayer, just like uh, everybody else. Now, in the book of Ephesians, there are instructions. As we said uh, in chapter 1, how he prayed for them. And some of the prayers that he asked for himself, as we see in chapter 6, he, he asked for prayers for himself. Now, 
In these perilous times, we need to be one in Christ and with Christ. As in those days, it wasn't just at Peter's time, but before that. In Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, they gathered in the room. They gathered in an upper room. They gathered in a house. They gathered and they prayed. And they didn't just have a prayer. Say, we're having a prayer meeting tonight. Prayed five minutes and left. They were they're praying for the power as well as for the direction of the Lord. They, they sought Him with their whole heart. We see ten points now that I have written down there for you as how we at Central Baptist Church are to pray for one another. And you'll see with each point, there is a scripture written at the end. And, you know, first you say, well, if I'm going to only cover three points, I ought to only give them three of those tonight as far as uh, I, I shouldn't have all ten down. But really, I think if you start looking at those ten, the Lord will give you things that maybe He didn't give to me that will even make it more important to you as an individual. On our website, if you go to the centralbaptistocala.org site, uh, you'll see in the left-hand column, as you scroll down just a little bit, booklets by Andy Bloom, and you'll see uh, various booklets that I've done. One of those is on prayer. And, I mean, it's free just to read it there, or you can print it out yourself. I mean, there's no cost in it for you. But it's on how to pray specifically for people, for pastors, for other things like that, how to pray specifically. And it's a very important thing because in this day, when all things of Christ, of the Word of God, are under great attack, it is important that we are a praying church. And so I would encourage you to do that. Uh, we need to be one in Christ, in prayer, just like they were back in that day. And so, the first point is pray that God will give us each the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. The verse for that is found in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 17. As I told you, uh, Paul started this out in verse 15 saying how he was praying for them, praying for fellow believers. And he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it seems like that uh, a lot of times you see in the New Testament, Lord Jesus Christ. And when the Holy Spirit gave Paul the apostle words to write, it seems like more often than the other books, he would write Lord Jesus Christ. Lord spoke of his deity. Christ spoke of, of his humanity. Uh, Jesus, I mean, spoke of His humanity. Lord Jesus, that Jesus spoke of His humanity. Christ spoke of His dying for us. He is the one, the Messiah, the one who would be our deliverer. He is the Savior. And so all of that uh, refers to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we uh, look at that. And He would use that 
often in his uh, in the writings, not because they were his words, they were the Lord, the Holy Spirit's word that he gave him to write, and they obviously were very important to the apostle himself. But so he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Now, let me make this emphasis on the word revelation, okay? You've heard people say, I got a revelation from God. Oral Roberts, when he was alive, saw a 700-foot Jesus. I don't know how he got a 700-foot tall Jesus into his house, but he saw a 700-foot Jesus. Okay, now, he may have had a dream. He may have seen something like that. But God is a spirit. And when you see the word revelation, there is no new revelation. Revelation was when word was, words were revealed to men. We had the book of Revelation. But you know what? It's called the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not just a re- Revelation is the title, the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, it's the revelation of His person. We don't get up here and say, oh, God has given me a revelation and I'm to share it with you tonight. We don't do that. Matter of fact, years ago, Dr. Lee Robertson was preaching here for us in a Bible conference. Now, this goes way back. And uh, he gave the invitation and they came down and they had prayer and people prayed with the different ones coming forward and all that. And then he, he would have people stand up, okay, give a testimony of what God spoke to your heart. And this lady stood up and says, God sent me here as a prophet to you tonight. And I'm sitting back there, I'm thinking, oh boy, I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> you know. And, and it, was, it was very, I've never forgotten this, Dr. Lee Robertson, I mean, right here, this, this platform, I mean, he was up here. He said, ma'am, how many souls did you bring to Christ this week? She said, what? She said, how many souls did you bring to Christ? Well, I, I witness on my knee. I don't want to hear what you have to say until you start bringing souls to Christ. Next. That's the way he did it. And I tell you what, he was right. He was right. That word revelation has the idea, idea. Well, I'm getting southern all the time, huh? The idea of, of enlightenment. Enlightenment. Helping you to understand. That's the idea. The revelation of the knowledge of Him. Now, why I like the enlightenment, too, is besides it means that. That even though we have the Word of God, we also have the Holy Spirit to help us to learn more of His person. That's why we're to grow, 2 Peter 3, 18, in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, there's so much more of Him to know. We all know about Him. I mean, uh, (laughs) boy, this is going to be a bad uh, illustration, but a lot of you know about Donald Trump. A lot of you know about Joe (laughs) Biden, okay. Now, you know about them, but you don't know them. Okay, you know about them, but you don't know them. 
You don't know any politician like you know your spouse. As a parent, you get to know your children as they're growing up, and, and uh, when they say, I didn't do that, that's when the time you take them and put them over your knee, because you know, you can tell when they're lying, when they're telling the truth. You know them. Do you realize by the Holy Spirit of God being in His Word and meditating on it, you can get to know the Lord so well. Now, you've heard me say, I said it this morning, as a matter of fact, you've heard me uh, say it other times before. The, one of the most important things in your life as a Christian is that the voice of the Lord in your heart is just as familiar, if not more familiar, than the voice of your spouse is to your ear. You say, well, how can you do that? Do I hear this voice speaking to me? No, the Holy Spirit, because He is a spirit. And He speaks to you, and He begins to bring back to your mind the Scriptures. And you begin to see things, and you begin to know. Oh, don't go there. Oh, do this. Oh, that would displease my Lord. Get to know Him so well. I think a lot of them got caught up in the contemporary in our churches because they don't know the Lord as, as they should. I'm not saying they're not saved. I'm just saying they just don't know the Lord as they should know the Lord. Now, I kind of have a feeling a lot of times a lot of them are not saved. But if they really know the Lord, I know one thing. They wouldn't be involved in that. The Lord never exalts the flesh. The Lord never tries to emulate evil. Never. Never does He do that. Now, evil tries to emulate the Lord. For example, we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So what do they do? we got the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. The unholy trinity. But they've not yet come, and they're not going to last long either. Our God has been from everlasting, and He's to everlasting. So, He wants us to grow uh, in the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. Wisdom is the knowledge of right and wrong with just judgment as to action. Now, there is a worldly wisdom. And there are people with worldly wisdom that know, okay, this is what you do in this situation, you do in that, that in this uh, other situation. Uh, and businessmen, they may know a little bit more than another businessman would, would to what to do in certain situations. Okay, there's a certain worldly wisdom. But now we're talking about godly wisdom, spiritual wisdom, the wisdom that comes from God, the knowledge of right and wrong with just judgment as to action. But then... It calls for the Christian to dedicate him or herself to it. We are called into an account for the use of the gifts of God that have been given to us. You say, well, what if I don't know my gifts? Then obviously you're not in the Word of God because one of the gifts you have is prayer. You can call on Him to pray. The Lord said, Call unto me, and I'll show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. That was my prayer before every test in college. 
but yet that required that I study, okay? There was a requirement that you study for those things. Now, uh, we know the Word of God is preserved. We know that when we got saved, we had the Holy Spirit. Those are three great gifts. Prayer, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God that is without error, forever preserved. Those are great gifts, so don't ignore them. Don't ignore them. Our biggest failures is involved with ignoring the gifts that God has given to us for victory. So often we think of victory, uh, well, it's getting to be football season, so a football team takes off and they want to win a game. Great. Winning a game is important. But probably more important is winning the championship. In the Christian life, it's important to have victories, but the most important thing is to finish right, finish well, complete what God has given you to do, and do it God's will, God's way, God's timing. Always do God's will, God's way, and God's timing. It's always right to do His will. And so, we seek to know Him and have the leading of the Holy Spirit. Uh, His Word is always right. Know that, that his reaction would be to you, that is what God's reaction would be to you, his Holy Spirit would be to you, in any situation. Knowing his person, getting to know his person so well. I mean, when you first got married, you thought you knew the person. After about two months, you realized, I didn't know them at all. But it's all right. You stick with it, and you get to know. You get to know one another. You get to love one another more. You find out that love is much stronger, much better than infatuation. You get married with infatuation, but you know, love is a choice. And when you choose to love, love is stronger than death. And so we know that. By the Word of God, we know that. So know what His reaction would be in any situation you face. It must be the Word of God, that the knowledge of His Word that guides you, the knowledge of His person that guides you. Always asking the Holy Spirit of God every time you open that Word to open your understanding to the Word. You want to understand it. And by the way, when you look at understanding, we're going to say something about that in just a moment, but I'm going to go to the second point. It's on your sheet there, okay? The second point of this uh, is pray that each member will know the hope of his calling and the glory of his inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That ye may know what is the hope of his calling. And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance. In the saints. You know, that's hard for me to think of. It's glory to him for the inheritance Jesus Christ has in us. 
in his saints. You know, that word understanding is speaking of having from God the perception to know what God is saying to us. God speaks to you. Sometimes He speaks to our ears and we've got deaf spiritual ears. Sometimes we're not wanting to hear what He has to say. Sometimes we're afraid that it's going to interfere with our desires of this life. Not necessarily dirty desires, wrong desires. It's just that it's not the desire and will of God for you. And we don't want Him to interfere with that. You've heard me ask the question again many times. Do you know that you are doing and you are pursuing the will of God, knowing His purpose, pursuing it, and living within that purpose, to fulfill that purpose that God has for you? And that's more than just saying, are you faithful to church? Uh, do you, are, are you separated from the world? I mean, those are good things. Are you faithful uh, in, in being a witness? All good things. But what is God's purpose in your life? He does have a purpose. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. The enlightenment then speaks of uh, being based on that perception that you have from God. We are able to discern only through Him. So you have a perception that brings you to discernment. That discernment, a lot of times, is between truth and a lie. Sometimes it goes deeper than that. Truth and deceit. I don't know, how many of you have ever been deceived by a person or a situation that you thought something else? I think all of us have. Okay. Yeah, I got this man, I know. Yes, it, this is good. Hey, they're a good person. Yeah, they'll take care of that. And then you don't see them again. You see, wisdom has perception and it discerns. It discerns between the holy and the unholy, the righteous and the unrighteous. You say, why do you use those terms, holy and unholy, righteous and unrighteous? Because as a new man, Ephesians 4.22, we're to put off the old man, put on the new man, which is created in righteousness and true holiness. That is to be our, the dressing of our inner man, our spirit righteousness and true holiness, and we get that from the Word of God. Now, I can preach up here, and if God gave me the best sermons in the world, that would be wonderful, but nonetheless, there are certain things that are revealed only to you through, whether it's preaching, your time in the Word of God, or whatever, that may not be revealed to me. So we are able to discern between various things, between right and wrong, through Him. I mean, 
A lot of times I can say, well, this is good. But other times, there's good and better. And still other times, there's better and best. I remember, now, Brother, Brother Jim is already, Jim Peebles is with the Lord, of course. But I remember one of the first deacons meeting, first, second deacons meeting I had when I took over as a pastor. And he was on our deacon board. He was over there, on there for over 50 years, I believe. But as a deacon, I had this, as a pastor, I had this great idea. Boy, I mean, this, this thing was really going to work and all that. And I explained it to the deacons. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's, went all the way around. That's good. That's good. Got Jim. It won't work. You know that voice here? It won't work. He shouldn't say that about me. I mean, I came up with that thing. And all. Well, I didn't say it that way, but that's what I was thinking. I said, well, why won't it? And he said, and when he said it, it was so simple, I felt like the dumbest man in the world. Because he was right. He was exactly right. Okay. God showed him something that I didn't see. Now, was my intent right? Oh, yeah, I had a good intent. But I sure am thankful God provided a Jim Peebles at that time. And it was a special help. And so, again, uh, in the hope of his calling, you think about that. We've the enlightenment based on our perception from God that we receive from him, that we know the hope of his calling, as we read there in that verse. You know that hope and calling is seen in the person of Jesus Christ on the cross. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And when I think about that, someone who could have come off that cross at any moment, He told Peter, I could call 12 legions of angels. But really, he could have just spoke the word and come off himself. And yet, what he did there was an example to us today. Godly people endure the hardness, the trials of life, especially in the service of the Lord. You're going to be a faithful servant. You're going to be a righteous servant. You're really committed to the Lord. Then you will endure. You'll never endure more than what Christ endured on the cross because it wasn't just what the uh, Roman soldiers and those about him did in spitting on him, parting his clothes from him publicly, cursing him, mocking him. Scorning him, inflicting all kinds of physical pain. He didn't say a word about that. But when the Father in heaven took over the crucifixion, the skies turned dark. And he poured out his almighty wrath upon the human spirit of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, My God. My God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
I mean, there was always angels sent when he was in, in, in the garden and, and he was under that attack, he sent angels to minister to him. When he's in the wilderness, tempted of the devil 40 days and 40 nights, he sent angels to minister unto him. But now he must bear this alone. None of us will ever suffer like he did. So I repeat, godly people endure. They don't quit. Godly people endure. They don't quit. And he went on to say, which is the hope of his calling? Now, what is the hope of his calling? I think we see it in several places. For example, in Ezekiel. It says that he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, none whatever. Revelation chapter 4 lets us know that he, we were created, all man was created for his pleasure. So that time on the cross, what he was enduring was to give every man an opportunity to be saved. And those who get saved, he gave us the opportunity to carry this blessed message to others that they might be saved. Now look, we've read of so many prayer answers. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh, that man, he was a very wicked, evil man that wrote that. You name it, he did it. All evils. He was one of those back in that day that went to Africa, got slaves, and brought them back to America, selling them. He knew what all those things were. But guess what? He had a saved mom who did not give up on prayer. As a matter of fact, we had a testimony of that. Two boys now that got things right with God. But mom and dad and others did not give up on prayer. Never, never, never give up on one of your loved ones or anyone else for that matter in prayer. Always, 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 always keep on praying for them. Notice how important this is to the Lord. Not only did he endure that, but Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3 says that they that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever. So many in the past have talked about how many souls you got saved. That's just not what it says. When we're turning souls to righteousness, we're sharing the gospel. Jesus Christ is the only righteousness by which we will be accepted into heaven. We must receive him as our Lord and Savior. A man goes out and he witnesses to three people and one gets saved. Another one goes out and witnesses to 20 people and none of them get saved. It's not a sales technique that decides whether they get saved or not. The idea is they witness the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Guess which one turned more, more to righteousness? Not the one that got one saved. No, it's the one that turned 20 to righteousness. They rejected. We don't determine whether they get saved or not. 
they must receive Christ. They've got a free will to either receive or reject it. Ours is to give it to them. And we'll shine as the stars forever if we turn them. Why? Because that blesses his heart. I don't know what all that shining is about. The word glory has the idea of shining, brightness. All I know is that as it occurs in the Bible, and especially of heaven, one of the highest honors is that bright shining. One of the highest honors of it. And I believe I won't really totally understand that until I get to heaven. But I can tell you this much. If you turn men into righteousness, I do know this. You'll shine as the stars forever. That's why you ought to carry tracts. That's why you ought to give a witness to those. And hey, listen. Man, if I say anything to them, they'll bite my head off. That's all right. Some of your heads are pretty ugly. Look. There will be nothing they can do that will outweigh the glory in heaven. Nothing they can do can outweigh that glory. Pray for that which God will greatly reward for all eternity. Pray for those riches for bringing others to know Christ as Savior, at least to give them the witness, to give them the gospel. He died for all. So, he saved us. Let's give others that opportunity that we received. I was born into a home where my dad, when I was five years old, left to go to college to study for the ministry. Dad and mom sat in the living room with Dick and my, myself and led us to Christ. Mom was praying with me and dad with Dick. But you know what? A lot of people never had that opportunity to have parents that would do that with them and lead them to Christ. I had an opportunity, as I think more is expected of me. There are people that never heard one time. We've got a Christian school here. You know one of the things that we noticed over the years? Many times, get parents coming in here. For a lot of them, they don't know how to behave in church because they didn't go to church. They weren't raised in church. Their kids weren't raised in church. It's a brand new experience. Sometimes for the parents. We'll have a graduation. We'll have some kind of a program going on here. And the problem's not with the kids. The problems are usually with the parents. Making the noise, disturbing, doing things, moving around. They just don't know. Just don't know. And it's a good thing that the ones running those programs are teachers. Uh, now make sure you stay in your seats. Make sure you don't come up here and do this. Make sure you don't do that. Okay? And, and, and they're saying that because... These people didn't grow up in God's house. But we that have had the opportunity, we've got a great responsibility upon us. Let's do God's will, God's way, God's timing. Do His will. Do God's will. The inheritance of Christ, which helps us to be joint heirs with Jesus Christ. As Romans chapter 8 tells us, Ruling and reigning with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the work that we shared. You know, Revelation says about them that will sit with Him in His throne. You know, all of us think of a throne, we, we think of a chair like this, and usually, the throne, of course, they're bigger than that, but you know, you see a throne like that, and a king sitting there with his hands over. But thrones are usually kind of like a long bench. So when somebody was sitting at the right hand of the king, 
that was an exalted position, meant they were only second to the king. But the Lord's going to give some believers the opportunity, you'll study it in Revelation, when he says, they will sit with me in my throne. I think that you'll see, that that's the, actually the idea that's behind that. No, they won't be staying there, it won't be their position for eternity, but they will be able to sit down with him. Wow. With the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, in Romans chapter 8, verse 17 and 18, but I want to, and I want to add to the, your thought, the process that is there as we read it. Now you think upon it. And the reason I'm saying all of this, I'm, I've said all this because I, I want to make another statement before I try to close it out tonight. Too many of us have a victim attitude. We get, somebody says something bad about us. We think that somebody wronged us, whether it's in the church or in the family or somewhere else. And we feel like victims. Do you realize that all those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution? And it doesn't always come from the world. We're called to endure. Get rid of that victim attitude. And decide, Jesus Christ is my Lord. No matter what happens in this life, if I'll stay true to Him, I'll obey His Word, I'll walk with Him, I'll love the brethren, I'll pray for the brethren, I will serve Him, I'll witness for Him, I'll be faithful, I'll seek to obey Him in all things. I'm a victor. That's what we're looking for. To be victories, victors. Victory is in Jesus. And so... Let me close out reading Romans chapter 8, verses 16 through 19. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's security. When I get to heaven, I'm accepted in Christ, and the Holy Spirit is bearing witness that I am a child of God. And if children, then heirs, of God and join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. I can't imagine after everything Christ has done being glorified together with Him. I believe there's glory. I don't know what that eternal reign is going to be like. I don't know if there's a new creation that he's going to have that is going to, we'll be ruling over. And all decided on our faithfulness, our works, our obedience here. I can tell you this, whatever it is, it's going to happen. And it all depends on your life for him right now. We may be glorified together. You see, we are the joint heirs. He is the heir a joint heir doesn't decide what's done with the, what is left in the will. No, the heir does. So we're rewarded accordingly to our faithfulness. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Think of people that were burned at the stake. 
Think of people that had to watch their children put to death because they, as parents, would deny the faith of Jesus Christ. Think of that. That is suffering that, uh, in here that we haven't suffered that. And yet that suffering is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Wow. Now, the problem is, too many have a hard time really believing that. Therefore, we live a life as, you might say, losers. So, let's pray that we'll have that commitment. And by the way, this is how He wants us to pray one another. Look at those first three things. Really, I just covered two. But look at those two, first two things. Got scriptures there. Read them. Go back and think on them. Make a commitment to pray these things for yourself, for your family, for one another. For one another, even those people that aren't nice to me in the church? Oh, listen. Pray these things for them. Maybe they'll start being nicer. In a day when you have a woke culture, in a day when God is so hated, His name is used in vain, in a day when everything evil is promoted as good and good is called evil. As a church, we need to be praying this way one for another. Will you commit yourself to do that tonight? Will you commit yourself to do it? Not because I ask you, but because His Word asks you. as to whether or not I preached it. You'll give an account as to whether or not you followed what the Lord said through it. And that's the truth. And if you don't believe the truth, I don't want to be in your shoes, even though you're saved at the judgment seat of Christ. Where you count the loss. And it says, saved so as by fire. Let's ask God to work in each of our lives. Let's pray for one another. Let's bow our heads, please.